and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual organisation or entity. Respectfully, it's the 11th of November 2023. You're listening to Adam and Roger break the news. I'm Roger. And I'm Adam. And like Roger says, it is Remembrance Day. So I think it's very important that we pay our respect to obviously people that have died in the war. And also, before we get cracking on this podcast, I'd like to just give a big thank you to Roger for um, editing in my park run time last week. Uh, I really appreciate that because I always love to mention uh, my park run time on here. It seems like it's become a bit of a routine now. I know we started in the pandemic when I wasn't doing park runs. Park run reps were only off in the pandemic. But then, obviously, once it started, I didn't start doing them every week, but I started doing them quite regularly, and now I think we're doing them virtually every week. Today, I went to Lister Park, and I beat my PB by 10 seconds, and got 19.39. It's not as good as the time at Roberts, but at Roberts, the course is a little bit short, so that's the reason why I did a bit better. But um, I was very impressed with that time. Um, you came in the top 20 of over 200 well, runners, didn't you? Well, it was, a, it was I think it was 304, but Ooh. it was, obviously there's some walkers there, and I came to 10th today, so... Very, very impressive. Well done, Adam. <laughs> well, it, it's, it all depends on who's there at the end of the day, but like I say, I seem, do seem to be getting better. I was messaging you last night, Roger, saying I thought this is going to be a very, very tough one this week. Uh, but I still managed to do it. I know the job hunting has been tough as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> I do have... I've got a job. Um, Woo! And, um, yeah, I'm not going to go into detail about it at the moment, but I'm going to say that I have got a very part-time job. Hopefully, I'll be able to progress there and maybe extend my hours in the future. And it's regular hours, this one, isn't it? Not like a casual yes, contract. regular, so that should be better. Brilliant. At least it means now you don't have to go to any more job interviews. <laughs> Well, does it now? I, I can still go to them if I want to, can't I? And look for some stuff, so it's not it's not like I'm going to turn down all the stuff if, if there is better stuff out there. So. No, if someone wants to make you a better offer, fair enough. But, and I uh, guess you would be the same. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. If you are listening to this podcast and want to offer me or Adam a job, you can contact us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com. Definitely. <laughs> Me and Roger have had a little bit of a laugh and beforehand, but we're not going to go into that. We've been chatting to old friends There's, and yeah. looking forward to Christmas and hopefully catching up with a few people. Yeah, fingers crossed that we'll have a nice Christmas. Because um, once this Remembrance Weekend is done, it's kind of head down and getting ready for the big event, isn't it? Miz, yes. My um, kid, my kids are certainly excited. I took my middle daughter shopping today, yeah. And all the way around Asda, she sung the Twelve Days of Christmas all the way to the end, all twelve, from partridge in a pear tree to twelve drummers drumming. Did they have it on the video there? No, no, she sung it. She knows it. She's remembered yeah. the whole thing. It's not bad for a seven-year-old, is it? No, it's dead annoying. <laughs> but the you, thing, you can't tell your child to stop the singing thing about it. Oh, Christmas is a really happy time, and I can understand why she's 
doing that. I feel the same about Christmas as well. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, a Christmas get-together will probably be on the cards for some of the farmer BCB lot. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, Christmas gets earlier and earlier every year, but I think the reason why people are looking forward to Christmas so much, especially this year, is because at the moment, especially if you watch the news like we do, things are so miserable. Yeah, miserable and even scary, aren't they, in a sense? Uh, You've got the BBC summary. There's been some very big protests, even some clashes today. Um, Would you like to tell us the latest? Yeah, because you and I have been speculating on this all week and wondering what would happen this Remembrance weekend. um, We're only... Halfway through the weekend, as we record this on a Saturday night. So Mark will happen tomorrow, so... But the latest, according to the BBC, on today's Armistice Day events, is that police estimate 300,000 pro-Palestinian protesters calling for a Gaza ceasefire have marched in central London in the biggest rally since the Israel-Gaza war began. More than 100 counter-protesters have been arrested, including a large number in Pimlico, near the protest route, the Met Police says. Officers earlier faced aggression from some of those protesters, who included some far-right groups, near the Cenotaph War Memorial. Police say video shows those protesters shoving police officers and chanting, you're not English anymore. And I've seen a couple of them videos, which you shared with me yeah, earlier, I've Adam. seen some videos as well. But at 11 o'clock and I listened to this live on the radio, hundreds of people gathered at the Cenotaph to observe two minutes of silence and commemorate the UK's war dead. And that silence and that tradition went off without any sort of interference whatsoever. Um, Around 2,000 officers have been deployed across the capital, and the Met had warned that policing the situation could be challenging. Looks like they've met that challenge. I don't know if it's the fault of the Met police. What do you think, Adam? Well... Probably didn't do as well as they would have hoped because some of the protesters managed to get through some police barriers. For example, they got I think they got through with the cenotaph. The police were very, very quick to act to make sure that they prevent these far rights and football hooligans from actually getting across into the pro-Palestinian uh, protesters. I think if we get through today and this evening and then tomorrow again without any you know injuries to human life or any property destroyed then that's a big win yeah well there's always going to be minor injuries if there's fighting going on isn't there so i don't i don't think it's injury free because i i thought it could have potentially been much worse than this today i can't lie i was worried too but i do have concerns about how this has been policed and the fact that i think the police have lost some control over this because they seem to be policing both groups uh, differently. They seem to be focusing more on the uh, the far-right protesters and the smaller groups rather than the bigger groups. And I think they know that they can't police the big group just because they're too big. I think the pro-Palestine group have played it quite clever today because they've made sure to stay away from the statues and stay away from vandalism and stay away from crime. So when the far-right thugs who are spoiling for rumble go down there, you know, whenever they do anything, it makes them look really, really bad. And the police, I suppose, have to play it differently with one group against the other because one group is 20, 30 times, maybe 100 times the size of the other. I did notice in one of the pieces of coverage that I listened to, they were saying that the 
Met Police have got powers to take action against people who are wearing head coverings uh, and face coverings. I've noticed that's an action that they've only taken on one side of the protesters because most a lot of the pro-Palestinian protesters uh, have unchallenged face coverings on them, that's for sure. The reason they're, they're, you know, they're taking one side is because they know that if they interact with the pro-Palestinian protesters, then there's the risk that uh, it could escalate and they may not be able to control them. To be fair, though, if the pro-Palestinian protesters are just going to chant their stupid chants and don't actually harm anyone or destroy anything, then I say let them crack on. But there has been a little bit of violence in in some of the uh, cases um, that I've seen from uh, other ones, so they aren't all being peaceful, but the majority of them have been. Well, here is still hoping, as I hoped last week, that I'm right and that reason will prevail and... It will go peacefully, and for the next 24 hours, people will say what they want to say, chant what they want to chant, and go home without anyone getting hurt. If I'm putting in an edit here, (laughs) saying differently, then here it is. Do you know what? Future me on Sunday night hasn't got much to add, fortunately. So far, seven have been charged and 145 arrested, and the police are appealing for more information so they can make a few more arrests after disorder during Remembrance Weekend. There are nine police officers who were injured on Saturday, but doesn't look like anyone seriously harmed, and the ceremonies went off without a hitch. So I think it's a successful weekend. Suella Braverman has been criticised, and I think her claims are actually very true because they've just backed up what I've just been saying about what has happened to today in today's matches. So Home Secretary Suella Braverman faces uncertainty after defying Downing Street on an article accusing the police of bias. She claimed aggressive right-wing protesters deserved a stern response while pro-Palestinian mobs were largely ignored. The article was not cleared by Downing Street, leading to calls for Braverman's resignation. Some Tories, including Sir Bob Neill, have called for her to step down, while others, like Conservative MP Danny Kruger, defend her. The Prime Minister's spokesperson stated, Downing Street is looking into the matter, but Prime Minister Richie Sunak expresses confidence in Braverman that situation arises before a pro-Palestinian march for a Gaza ceasefire in London on Saturday, which is today, that's happened as we've uh, been recording. The Labour leader accuses Braverman of undermining the police and the Supreme Court is expected to rule on the legality of departing asylum seekers to Rwanda next week, a scheme Braverman supports. The article's allegations about police bias come amid ongoing protests in London following the Gaza conflict. Now, what do you think here? Do you agree with Suella about uh, bias? Sometimes I agree with what Suella says, but I don't always agree with how she says it. And I'm not a big fan of Suella anyway because, as we've said here on the podcast before, she doesn't actually do very much. 
she of all people will be very glad if this um, weekend goes off without a hitch, but she's probably going to lose a job in the upcoming reshuffle, isn't she? Probably, yeah. If there's a reshuffle, which it sounds like there almost certainly is, it sounds like they're going to try and get rid of Suella, but without actually saying that they're sacking her. So it sounds like it's just going to be reshuffled instead. At the last minute, as I'm putting together the finishing touches to this podcast, news has broken that Suella has been removed from Cabinet. So the last thing I have to say to Suella says is... Bye. I think she got desperate, and because the only thing that the only power that she's got is to say stuff, she started saying stuff that was just too strong and too stupid. Yeah, but in, well, it may be stupid in what she said, but I actually agree with a lot of the stuff that she said. I think she's trying to tell the truth. I think she's trying to spread a awareness about these issues just to make a point clear no doubt the lefties won't listen to it at all because you know what they're like but i think she's just trying to spread awareness but if she actually did care about any of these things that she said she'd do something about but it can she do something no about because it? she's useless i don't I, I don't think it's because she's useless I think it's the fact that, and I'm sorry to say this, but I think it might be the fact that we've got a weak Prime Minister and he's too scared to allow her to do things. Maybe Rishi's never had confidence in her, although his his spokesman can say whatever he likes. But, yeah, I think, like I say, yeah, I think he may be a little bit weak, but I think he may agree with her, but he's too scared for it to be out there. And it's a bit moot anyway if she gets sacked or reshuffled or not, because... Come the election, they're all gone. Well, probably, yeah. If I remember rightly, if we look at Suella's seat, um, I believe it's one of the safest seats in the country. So she may be one of the people to survive her seat. So So if she's one of the people that survives her seat, along with some other people that are quite right-wing, like Liz Truss... Uh, she might actually get back in for a new uh, to be prime um, prime minister. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, um, not prime minister, um, new leader of the Conservative Party. So she could actually one day become um, a prime minister if she's very lucky. But I wouldn't bet on it. Do you think there's any chance of that happening? I think she'd do as well as Liz Truss if that was the case. But like I say, I've just given you an example of how she can potentially become um, a um, Prime Minister. She's got a lot of confidence. I think she's able to speak out. I think she'd actually make quite a good Prime Minister, to be perfectly honest with you. I think if the Conservative Party want to recover from the massive electoral defeat they're going to get, then they need a whole new look. Yeah, And, and a was, whole new load of faces I, at the front. And I was just looking at her majority. She's got a majority of over, um, over 26,000 votes. So she's going to be one of the people, um, if any, that actually survives her seat at the next election. So she'll end up sitting at a back bench but as an opposition the, MP. Yeah, the trouble is if Richie Sunak resigns after an um a catastrophic loss and there's not actually that many seats up for grabs, she could potentially end up making her way into becoming the next leader of the Conservative Party. I'm not betting on that. 
Do you think there's a ch- any chance of that happening? I think Michael Gove has got a better chance than she has. Well, yeah, but I guess uh, it all depends on who the part, uh, who the MP is back, and uh, whether it goes to party members. From what I've heard, I think she's actually rather popular with the party members, but maybe not the MPs. But what about the other leadership candidates we saw a couple of years ago? Tom Tugendhat, Kemi Badenoch? I don't know. I haven't looked into them. It all depends on how safe their seats are. If their seats are not that safe, they might lose the seats, so they might not have as much chance of Suella Braverman. She's got a really, really safe seat as Suella Braverman. Air fellow, um, the MP for Shipley, who's Conservative, was on GB News this morning. Yeah, he's, been on G- he's on GB News quite regularly. And did you listen to his show? I didn't listen to his show, but I listened to him being interviewed, and he was quite respectful and um, reasonable. So I was quite impressed with him. They were showing um, shots of Rochdale because they were sure it was going to kick off in Rochdale again, but it didn't. So they went to Rochdale for nothing. Poor guys. <laughs> I'm from Rochdale. I was born there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't actually shared about that. There has been yeah. issues around the country and people have been frightened to yeah. sell poppies this year and I think that's really sad. I know Starbucks near me, that's been vandalised as well. So, the, so, so there may be more of this um, there's, there's protest vandalism about that we don't hear about in yeah, the news. there is. There's, there's loads of some that I know about and some that you know about as well. So what we're hearing on the news is just the tip of the iceberg, sadly. One person who seems like he'll be glad to get the current government out is King Charles. And he was doing his bit with the government this week when it was his King's speech. And I actually watched him make the speech and he seemed to be holding back sighs. There were a couple of times where I was sure I saw him physically sighing, lifting up his shoulders and not. He was not enjoying himself, but he did outline the government's priorities for the year ahead in his first King's speech as monarch. And the speech outlined 21 laws that ministers intend to pass in the next year-long session of Parliament. Don't panic, I'm not going to read out all 21 here. I'm just reading out the ones that I found interesting. About a third of them have been carried over from the previous session or previously published in some other form. And it's the first such blueprint of Rishi Sunak's government and likely the last before the next UK general election expecting next year. So here's a summary of the main points. Like I said, that I've chosen. If you think of any others that I've missed, Adam, then feel free to chime in. First one on crime and justice is a sentencing bill will require whole life sentences for the worst murderers, meaning rapists can't be released early and make it more likely short sentences for lesser crimes are served in the community. Sounds pretty good to me. Yep, harsher sentences for the worst criminals, no problem with that at all. A criminal justice bill will introduce measures to force criminals to appear in the dock and give police new powers to enter buildings without a warrant to seize stolen goods. Sounds good again. Forcing criminals to appear is because of the whole Lucy Letby thing, isn't Um. it? I think it's a bit too late, you know, Letby's mm. already, you know, now sat in a jail cell, rotting away, but better late than never, I suppose. As for entering buildings without a warrant to see stolen goods, as long as they have got just cause and they're not abusing that power, I'm happy for them to have that chance. Moving on to tech and media, an automated vehicles bill will set a legal framework in Great Britain for self-driving cars. Self-driving cars, yes, we do need legislation, but... I always have concerns when they bring in new legislation. 
that legislation is going to hinder the development, so I'd need to actually see what the legislation is before I can say whether I agree or disagree on it. I would say it's going to have to be a heck of a smart self-driving car to survive traffic in Bradford. I agree. And the traffic in Bradford is so random, I don't think any computer model could predict it. <laughs> no, it can't predict it, but neither can humans predict it, can they? They can never predict what's going to happen in another person's mind. In Bradford at the moment as well, it's the um, roadworks as well. Every day, every route I take, there's some new roadworks. On the way here, Adam, I noticed the street near you has got roadworks it on has, it now. It has, yes, and... Um, it just appears that roadworks are popping up wherever. Good news if you're in the highway maintenance game, isn't it? Money, money, money. But the trouble is, and there's so many potholes, although they're getting repaired, they're not getting repaired fast enough because there's a forever increasing amounts of cars going on these roads. And it's not always potholes that they're repairing. Sometimes it's gas works or water. Yep, are actually changing the design of the city centre in our case. Yeah, and that's going to go on for at least another year. Well, um, I saw a sign up today um, and it says uh, that there's major roadworks taking place until December 2024, so that's over another year. So I'm going to keep on avoiding that city centre in Bradford. I'll be heading down there on Tuesday. I've got an um, assessment for an apprenticeship. Not that I'll necessarily take it, but I'm keeping my options open. And it's also my birthday on Tuesday, so we're going to go to the pizza afterwards. Um, I wouldn't have chosen to go to Bradford, but because I've got that in, it makes sense for me to go to Bradford one. So, yeah, I'll be heading into the City of Culture on Tuesday. What better place to spend your birthday? <laughs> all, all the best, mate. How old will you be this time? 23. Uh, it's all downhill from here, mate. It is all downhill. <laughs> it, is, it is. I know it is. And, uh, uh, and also, as you get older... I'll also get slower at my park. <laughs> the rate you're improving, I don't think that'll be soon. Uh, well, uh, it might be. Yeah, if I didn't do any training and then try to come back to exactly where I were, I wouldn't come back to exactly the same place because I'm just getting slightly older. I remember now that I've done a lot longer distances, I can go longer, but then about a year ago, I'm not actually as quick at starting. I'm seem to be better at pacing myself but I can't seem to start quite as fast so that's a sign that I am starting to urge. That's what worries me as I'm pushing 40 I start to think with a lot of things I'm never going to be the same again <laughs> and then that, that's what it's like it's like oh you want to go backwards but the thing about it you also build wealth as you get older so your life benefits <laughs> in terms of wealth <laughs> not, <laughs> not in my case mate um, maybe in 10 years time when my daughters start leaving home hopefully but the thing about it in 10 years time am i going to be poorer than i am now or richer probably let's see what um our fabulous government do to help us on our way well i'm um, not sure if it's all to do with the government it's all to do with your choices that you make as well isn't it as to whether you're poorer or richer but i'm hoping to be richer than what i am now generally people build wealth as they get older thinking about the Changes that the Tories are going to try and make in the next few months. Going back to King Charles's speech, another law that he talked about was um, pledges to strengthen consumer rights online and to tackle fake reviews. They're contained in the Digital Markets Competition and Consumers Bill. How are they going to do that? I don't know, because the fake reviews are... But how can you find, tell whether a review's fake? Anyone can say anything on a review, but... You don't know whether it's a fake one or not. So I guess here they're probably talking about 
people that are making duplicate accounts that are trying to bring down businesses and stuff. I suppose they're going to introduce more accountability to the websites who host fake reviews, aren't they? Possibly, yeah. We'll have to see about that one, but um, I guess it can be done if people are like making multiple accounts. I, I completely agree that that shouldn't be allowed. On social changes, a tobacco and vapes bill will deliver plans for a phased ban on smoking and introduce restrictions on the packaging and marketing of vapes. I think we'll talk about that a little bit more later in one of my articles. I'm sure we will. So I'm the younger people uh, there. Although I don't smoke, I think um, having them banned, whereas the older people are not, it's like they're being treated as second-class citizens. Young people don't want to smoke anyway. Smoking's for grandads. Um, And they usually vape anyway, which is probably the reason why they haven't banned them, because it would upset them and it would stop them from voting for them. The reason why vapes won't get banned is because a lot of the politicians probably have mates who have interests in the vape companies. Possibly, but they might also have interests in tobacco companies, and that's not being banned. The tobacco companies are making less and less money now because smoking that's is true, yeah. smoking isn't fashionable. But some some of them do still pay out uh, hefty dividends. The Holocaust Memorial Bill will enable a Holocaust Memorial to be built in Victoria Tower Gardens near the Houses of Parliament. So we can look forward to seeing that get vandalised next year. Possibly. Um, why has why this ended up being a massive announcement in the King's speech? And I think this is why the King probably didn't look very happy when he presented this, because that does seem like it's maybe a little bit intentional. But obviously, I can understand why the government's part in Israel, because they've just been victims of a horrific uh, attack, and it's like we supported Ukraine, so... That's why I guess they're trying to support Israel. It's funny that you just used them um, supporting in the past tense for Ukraine. Do you know Kiev um, got an airstrike um, a couple of days ago, their first one in about five months. Uh, yeah, it's not going too well in Ukraine, but we're not hearing much about that at the moment, are we? No, I haven't heard much about Ukraine. I don't even really know what's happening with that. I fired all died down and there weren't much happening. That I knew there was still a war going on, but I thought it was just as the... Russia getting weaker, losing the weapons. I thought it would slowly just dying away. Well, as things get less dramatic in Gaza, we might start hearing more about Ukraine again. But we'll see. If, if things are still taking place on the streets in this country, I'm sure still, uh, the news is still going to be focusing on that because it's UK-based. At the moment, we're not seeing hundreds of protesters out for Ukraine. Although, you know, we did once upon a time. Yeah, but we haven't. I don't think we've got an awful lot of Ukrainians no, in this country. No, but all the people who protested for Ukraine last time are now on the current thing, aren't they? I, mean, I wouldn't have said they're all on it, but some of them are, yeah. When we're on the topic of Israel, public bodies will be banned from boycotting Israel under the Economic Activities of Public Bodies Bill. I don't mind that too much because I think um, private companies are free to boycott whoever they want to boycott for whatever reasons they want to boycott them for but if it's a public body they're working for the government for the country then yeah they should be fair and give contracts to the most cost effective bidder yeah rather than being political i think the the reason why they're introducing this is to try and avoid uh, divisions within society what interests me about this legislation is that it has to be put in at all because having to put in this legislation suggests to me that there must already be public bodies who are boycotting Israel. Yes, and yeah, 
I agree with that, but I think it should go further that they shouldn't be allowed to boycott any sort of country. That concerns me as to why that's even taking place in this country because public bodies are ones that are funded by the government so it's having to sort itself out rather than just go direct and that also uh, brings out two issues one that the government's failing but another that it takes so long just to pass legislation just to sort things out full steam ahead with that one then i guess yeah there were other things in the king's speech but a few notable things that were left out that Charles didn't say was there was no new bill to ban the import of hunting trophies after a Tory MP's bill to do so was timed out in the last parliamentary session. That just suggested to me there must be a few MPs there who are still waiting for their hunting trophies to come back um, from FedEx, so they want to get them legally. I don't see any reason to object to a ban on the import of hunting trophies, do you, Adam? What is even is a hunting trophy? I've never even heard of it. Say you go to Africa and blast a lion and you want its head to stick on your wall. Yeah. This law would stop you from importing that lion's head into this country. We kill animals for meat anyway, don't we? So we're already being evil people, so... The difference for me is one is necessary and one is unnecessary. Yeah, and I see your point there, and I agree with you on that. Another thing that was left out is details on a bill to introduce a ban on so-called conversion therapy to change someone's sexual orientation or gender identity, and this has been promised since 2018, but I think they're realising, like we pointed out on this podcast last year, yes, conversion therapy is wrong, but where you draw the line on what conversion therapy is is very tricky. Advising a young person that this might be something that you might change your mind on as you grow older, that's just advice to me, but some people could class that as conversion therapy. It's a very tricky and objective thing to legislate for. The thing about it, though, should there not be a certain age before they actually be allowed to convert, you know, like for gender, for example, because... When people are young and they're still growing, they may have anxiety. For example, if they're going through puberty, for example, they may get worried and then they may not want to be their own gender. Or so shouldn't it? Shouldn't they wait until they're an adult until they, um, and then make the decision properly? Then I agree. This isn't just the, about children, though. This is about um, conversion therapy for full-grown adults as well. Yeah. And is it right to try and convert an adult once they've changed their mind? I would say that depends. If you're trying to force them to be something they're not, no. But if you're saying to them, look, I'm worried about you. Are you sure you're making the right decision here? Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. (laughs) It does worry me about how many people are feeling like they need to convert the gender because they're doing an awful lot of damage to the body and it's often irreversible as a science lover as well i know that conversion therapy as they're talking about in this kind of legislation doesn't work there's numerous examples of preachers who have you know made assurances that they can pray the gay away and then it turns out that they're gay themselves that pretty much debunks the efficacy of conversion therapy if you ask me yeah. But I don't know if yeah. I agree with a full ban on it unless you can get the definition right. I agree because people are entitled to make their own choices at the end of the day. I think I may have said this before, but people need to be properly educated before they make a decision, yeah, given all the evidence, um, just so that 
people are actually aware of what they're actually doing. Absolutely. And the final thing that was left out of the King's speech was a draft bill to overhaul the treatment of people with learning disabilities and autism. That was mentioned in last year's Queen's speech, apparently. So if you have got a learning disability or autism, tough luck. You're going to be treated the same this year as last year. Why has there been a failure to get things through? Is that because of them changing leaders? Is it because of them not prioritising bills or what? I don't know. They can't blame COVID this time, can they? Does that concern you when they're actually writing so much stuff and they can't even pass it in time? I do remember saying when the last King's speech happened last year that a lot of this won't happen because they just haven't got time to do it. Yes. And looks like, um, for once, I was right. Is that going to be the case again this year, do you think? Oh, yeah, because they've got even less time and they've got an election to focus on. Yeah, but we just still don't know when that election's going to be. It could be um, the end of January 2025. Oh, Jesus. it could be any time in 2024. So we've still probably got a long time to wait until the next general election. But, yeah, it'll probably be within about a year's time, I reckon. Me too. I think it'll be kind of as we enter summer next year, April, May. It all depends on how they're doing in the polls as well, doesn't it? If they're recovering the polls um, and inflation comes down, which I think it's going to come down very fast, but I'm not sure if they'll recover in the polls because of that. Do you think they'll hit the target of having inflation by the end of the year? Yeah, because they'll cook the books and fiddle the figures. And- I, f- I, f- I think it's going to be hit uh, properly. So we'll just have to wait and see. But and then it might go up again. Who knows? Um, we've seen oil prices have come down, although in the last few days they've risen a little bit, but it's still lower than they were at the end of last week, so that's good news. Well, good on King Charlie for doing his speech and keeping the crown on his head and um, biting his tongue and getting through it. He's done his kingly duty, so fair play on him. Yes. As we were going through the speech there, I mentioned more on vaping. So I'll go into my last article of this podcast. The head teacher of a secondary school in Oldham, a guy called Glyn Potts, is putting out a warning about the dangers of illegal vaping following the collapse of a 12-year-old pupil who used a vape and it turned out that vape contained spice, which is an illegal synthetic drug. Potts expressed the concern that it might take a tragedy to prompt action against underage vaping and highlighted the presence of high levels of psychoactive cannabis oil and THC in vapes in the area. The government is planning new laws to address underage vaping as it's currently illegal to sell e-cigarettes to those under 18. Potts urges a coordinated national strategy to prevent young people from accessing dangerous vapes as incidents involving illicit substances in vapes continue to rise. And I say good on him. What do you say, Adam? Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before there is a tragedy here. I think the illegal economy now in the UK is so big. It's uncontrollable. People are not getting ID'd for the vapes. It's getting very, very serious. And kids see these vapes. If they've got an adult, older brother, sister, cousin, friend, whatever, and they leave it on a table somewhere and, you know, the kid just thinks, oh, this taste of sweeties, I smell it all the time, and they just have a suck on it and... It can be extremely dangerous, especially... Nicotine is really addictive to quite a lot of people. But it's not just that. What if friend, brother, sister, cousin or whoever has chucked a little something extra inside the vape? 
Yeah, and it's not just who's chucked it, it's where they've been made from. A lot of this is happening in the illegal economy, so they're putting illegal substances in it to make, like, drugs, to make this even more attractive so that people get absolutely hooked on this. This is becoming quite catastrophic, this, isn't it? And it would be such an easy win for the Tories to crush the vaping industry like they're crushing cigarettes, but Rishi won't do it. Would it be an easy win? It's not going to win over those young voters, is it? Because nearly all of them are vaping, from what I see. I really still think it's a massive minority of young people who are vaping. Say 1% of young people vape. It's probably more like 2 or 3%. That's still about 10 in a secondary school. Your average secondary school having about a 1,000 pupils. It's still a lot. My worry is I think it's a lot more than your estimations. Yeah. In terms of young people, probably under 18, on buses, from what I've seen, it's about 50-50. When I was on the school bus home from my old secondary school, there were about a dozen people who would smoke on the top deck. That's what I mean. That's what I'm telling you. It's about 50-50, but, isn't it? Well, you've got to bear in mind, though, on that double-decker bus, there were about 50 people and a dozen out of 50. You know me, Adam. I always try and have faith in the young people, and I really do think it is a very small minority who vape. I think it may be at primary level, but I'm not so sure at secondary, so I'm not convinced. Oh, one of my daughters is at secondary, and it, it terrifies me, but... Yeah. We just have to have faith that they make the smart decisions. Yeah. And I think I'll probably make sure my daughter sees this article so she knows, you know. And anyway, um, and yeah, get her to listen to this podcast. Oh, I wouldn't do that to her. But, <laughs> yes. but I definitely want her to know that, you know, if she's stupid enough to suck on one of these things, it could contain anything. Yeah. So don't do it, kids. Yep, I agree. Some news which never ever gets talked about in the mainstream media. That I always, nearly always, unless I don't see it, discuss, which is GP practice registration numbers. Yeah, bring them on, Adam. And it's not good news again. It's it's, it's worse news than the last month. So there are now 141,820 more patients registered with a GP in England as of the... 1st of November 2023 oh, the 1st of October 2023 so that's just in a month which brings the total number of people registered with a GP in England to 62,949,472 now what's actually going wrong here because this number seems to be very, very high. Is it immigration that's out of control? Is it that the GP practices are not recording patients properly and they're not removing older people that have lost their lives? Or Maybe they've figured out a quicker way to register new patients. What do you think, Adam? I think it's a large number of migrants coming in mostly. It's always high in November anyway. I looked at last year's November figures and they were high, but they weren't quite as high. Uh, there were still over 100,000, but there weren't at over 140,000. If we take a look at uh, last year's, we had 134,163 uh, more patients compared to the previous month. This year we've got 141,820 more patients. Every month's different, uh, but I've noticed the months after 
uh, universities have started when they see an influx of international students, that seems to be when the numbers seem to really rocket. Also, in the winter, as the winter months approach, you get more illness as well. So people might register with a GP once they become ill. Yeah, but autumn's busier than winter in terms of GP registrations. So that suggests it's mostly down to all the international students that come over in the summer. And it's a suggestion that the population is growing quicker and quicker yes and that's what i want to highlight here because if you're getting that many people coming into the country in a month might not be that many people it might be it might be more it might be less who knows but if we're getting a lot of people coming into a country each month then this i think this is partly why the country's in a big mess because people are not able to integrate properly into communities it puts a burden on everyone else because Everyone requires resources like food, housing, uh, schools, GPs themselves, uh, dentists, etc. You name it, a lot. And it puts a massive pressure on our services. I think that's one of the problems that we're seeing. And also this affects the NHS waiting lists as well. About one million people in England are on multiple waiting lists of treatment as the NHS backlog reaches a record high of 7.77 million non-emergency care waits in September, up from 7.75 million in August. Many individuals are awaiting two to five treatments, primarily the elderly seeking non-emergency care, such as knee and hip replacements, drug therapies and physiotherapy. The backlog has risen by nearly 3.5 million since before the pandemic and the Royal College of Nursing attributes this to a long-standing nursing shortage. Despite the Prime Minister's commitment to reducing waiting lists, they continue to grow. Richie Sunak blames ongoing strikes, estimating a £1 billion cost to the NHS this year. Talks with the British Medical Association are ongoing. The Treasury rejected additional funding, providing only £100 million, prompting the NHS to use £200 million from winter funds and other budgets. Treatment targets have been relaxed, indicating an acknowledgement that addressing the backlog will take longer than anticipated, leading to frustration among healthcare providers. What do you make of this? It just seems to keep on rising. It says there that it will lead to frustration among healthcare providers. The long waiting list also leads to death and people suffering for a lot longer. And it also means that people are out of work for a lot longer. And it's going to lead to more criticism of the NHS and um, possibly health reforms. Yes, um, it's not good news, this, is it? No, and it's especially bad news for Rishi because it looks like he's going to miss another one of his promises. And obviously the more people that are out of work, the less productive a country can be as well. And... Um, and also, this is also going to keep increasing anyway because we're seeing um, the amount of people in the country increasing at such a speed as well. So there's no doubt that this um, issue is not going to be solved. And we're also seeing an aging population as well, which makes it very tricky. 
And since we've had health secretaries like Matt Hancock, I don't have much faith in, in our government to make it better. Let's see what Labour do. I can't see Labour making it much better, to be honest. Um, in fact, I think they might make it worse because I think they're going to have mass uh, immigration, which is just going to fill the country up. And yep. I can't see it being any um, better, to be honest. I can only see this... This issue getting worse and worse, unfortunately. There was a little glimmer of hope last week when we mentioned that plan to give people more flexibility in terms of how far they travel for treatments, but that's mm. just one change that's going to help but with I, the I, problem. I do think that was, a, that was actually a very good idea and hopefully that will be implemented and hopefully it can reduce waiting lists. But there needs to be a few more good ideas like that to solve mm. this. I haven't got any at the moment. <laughs> No, I think this is. I think this is a very difficult problem to solve. But the NHS, um, I think it's about training more people up, and obviously hiring more people um, that have been trained up. So yeah, it's about increasing the amount of training. I know a lot of people may want to do it, but so many different parts aspects to healthcare. So people probably can't decide which one they would want a career in anywhere. And there's more enjoyable jobs out there. So people probably don't necessarily choose to do this type of job. Enjoyability is a a kind of a weird thing to bring up because it baffles me if people do jobs that they don't enjoy doing. I I imagine you're dental healthcare, not necessarily because you enjoy doing it, but because you get satisfaction from it. That's what I mean, yeah. I think about my job. A lot of people would look at my job and say, oh, no, I wouldn't enjoy that. But I, I do enjoy my job. It's challenging and hard and stressful, but because I know I'm making a difference and I'm being effective, that's where I get my enjoyment, my satisfaction. That's why I would like to become a counsellor, to be honest, because I think I'd know that I'd be improving the local community. But I don't think I'm going to get elected anytime soon. You never know what could happen, Adam, (laughs) and at least you're trying, you're having a go. Yeah, I can have a go in 2024. No doubt I won't get elected in 2024. Just last week you were worried again that you'd never find a job, but you've done it. Yeah, but I don't think, like I say, you can probably agree with me that I won't get elected in 2024, can't you? Not unless you change party, I'm afraid (laughs) to say to you, mate. (laughs) Um, yeah, if I changed party and I got selected, then I would probably get elected, wouldn't I? I've said it before on the podcast, you're the only Tory that I would vote for at the moment. But yeah, people do vote for parties purely on just because of the, the party, don't they? Yeah, more fool them, I think. You need to have a more open mind, if you ask me. Can I ask a question? Have you voted for people not looked into the actual candidate, like uh, for your MP or your local councillors, and you voted for a party just because the person represents their party and you know nothing about the actual person, but you know about the party? When I was younger, definitely, yeah. That's what I mean, yeah. Now I'm older and wiser, I definitely do look into these things more. And doing stuff like this podcast helps me be wiser about it as well. Yeah, and the only ways to work out who to vote for is to obviously look at online profiles if they've got them, look at the leaflets that they've sent through. They're the ways that you can actually find out about the person somewhat. A lot of people can lie on leaflets anyway and they can lie online, so it's not always very easy to judge but you can try and make some sort of mind up for uh, doing that as to what type of person they may be. I certainly think a highlight of 2024 for you and me is going to be the elections, isn't it? When we start covering if, that. Uh, yes, if, if, if these elections happen in 2024, 
yeah, we'll definitely be uh, covering them, and I reckon it may be the biggest news of 2024 if it happens. More on that coming um, in just over a month's time when we do our Christmas and New Year podcasts, I'm sure. And I must admit, I was worried about this week's podcast and about bringing people a load of doom and gloom, but it's not been so bad, has it, Adam? It's been a nice hour, really. Yeah, I think it has. And if you'd like to get in touch with any um, articles, or if you'd like to share your view on this, please email us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com. You can also share with your family and friends. I know there is a lot of news fatigue about, so if you have listened to this podcast, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you. Thank you. What? David Cameron? Oh, Jesus.